Welcome to TBT's podcast. I'm Dan Friel. On this edition, Josh Brown has a great interview with Dominique Coleman of Team Colorado. Dominique was on the squad last year that made TBT's championship game and ultimately lost to Overseas Elite. But Team Colorado and Dominique Coleman are back in 2017 and look to be one of the top teams in TBT in the entire field for this year. So you're going to love that interview with Dominique. After Josh's interview with Dominique, I've got an interview with Isaiah Walker, who's the GM of Stars and Stripes, one of the teams that will be taking part in the Jamboree on June 16th, I'm sorry, June 17th and 18th in Philadelphia. Uh, This interview was recorded really early in the morning, and I think you'll be able to tell from the energy that Isaiah has in the course of this interview that he's definitely a morning person. Remember that tickets for TBT are on sale right now. You can go to the tournament.com, click on the tickets tickets link at the very top of the page, and you'll see the tickets. You can buy them. Don't be left out. We're going to be all over the country this summer. We'll be in Charlotte, Philadelphia, Bradley University at Peoria, Illinois. We'll be in Las Vegas. After that, we're going to go to Brooklyn. And then finally, we're going to conclude the semifinals and the championship games in Baltimore, Maryland. All of these games will be covered by ESPN, either streamed on Watch ESPN or televised live on the main network and ESPN2. So don't miss out. Be sure to get your tickets now. Remember also that you can find TBT all over the internet where the tournament.com is the website. On Twitter, we're at the tournament. On Facebook, it's facebook.com backslash the tournament. And you can find us at the dot tournament on Instagram. Sometimes you'll find us on Snapchat as well. We're the tournament there. Uh, also, remember that if you haven't already, you can subscribe to TBT's podcast on Apple Podcast. Hit that subscribe button. You can also find us on SoundCloud. And if you haven't already, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell someone you love about the TBT podcast so that they can find out as much about TBT and know as much about TBT as you do. They'll be very grateful for it, I'm sure. All right. Thanks again for your time. We'll be back soon. Welcoming in now, Team Colorado point guard Dominique Coleman. He joins the TBT podcast just really a couple weeks away from the beginning of TBT 2017. Dominique, how you doing? I'm doing good. Cannot complain. Cannot complain. Kind of crazy that TBT's already, you know, a month away now, huh? Yeah, the year flew by, so it's crazy how I've, everybody, I've been getting messages and emails about votes, and it's right around the corner, and now it's really right around the corner. For those of you new to TBT, Dominique made the TBT championship game with Team Colorado last year, a group of uh, University of Colorado alumni who really had a great run. But you guys made some big news just the last couple of days with Xavier Silas coming aboard. How big is that uh, of an addition for you guys? Ah, it's big. It's big. You know what I mean? Xavier Silas gives us a, a scoring punch and a shoot in the shooting that we'll miss because of Levi. So that's a real big pickup for us. Uh, Xavier played for City of Gods the past two years, making the uh, the semifinals in both years with the team. And now again, he joins Team Colorado. He was uh, played, I believe, two or three years at Colorado before transferring to Northern Illinois. And actually, I know you've been traveling all day today, but a real nice article came out about him joining your team. And he talked a lot about how guys like yourself, uh, Chris Copeland and Marcus Hall, when he came in as a transfer, you guys had a really kind of a, a big impact on him. So how cool has it kind of been for you to watch him put together a real nice career, whether it be in the D-League or overseas, and really, uh, you know, find some success for himself? Uh, everybody that I encounter with is good to see, especially Xavier, because me and him got a little close. 
his dad was uh, a part of the uh, a part of the team when I was around. He came to all the games. So seeing Xavier do what he's been doing is good. He's always had the talent, so nobody ever questioned that he was going to make it. Just having the right opportunity was with him. So I know he's been with the City of God's last two years, but that's friends versus family. So. <laughs> yeah, really good guy. And he actually mentioned that in that article as well. Check at the tournament if you want to read that. We retweeted it earlier uh, today. And you guys, besides Xavier, have had a couple of good additions. Uh, I mentioned Chris Copeland, Joshua Scott. You had a couple more. It seems like you guys are really reloading for TBT 2017. Yeah, because a lot of teams are putting some pieces together, so... Going in what we had last year is good, but we need to do a little better, especially if we plan on winning it. So we came close, but close ain't good enough when you're trying to win the big prize. So we definitely needed the pieces. Uh, Chris Copeland, big addition. Xavier, big addition. Josh Scott, and a couple other pieces. The guys last year that we had were great, but these guys, you know what I mean? They're just They're just the pieces we really need. What do you think as a team, obviously you didn't have many of these, but what do you think as a team was your biggest um, deficiency or your biggest kind of weakness as a team? Uh, And what do you think, what's one or two things you think you guys have to change from last year in order to take it, you know, one win further in TBT 2017? Uh, That's a tough one. You know what I mean? Just the way, just, just filling in the holes. You know what I mean? When Marcus, when Marcus, you know what I mean, may have not, took the shot and drive and kick guys just had to be ready to knock down the shot. You know what I mean? To less pressure off of everybody. A couple of us had, uh, down games when we, sh- when we should not have. So just filling spots. Our biggest thing now is we're not, we're not under the radar. Everybody's coming for us and we just have to be ready, lock and loaded. Yeah, I actually read an article, uh, or maybe it was a tweet or something earlier this week, and uh, a couple of more than one person is calling you guys the the outright favorite uh, in TBT 2017, which obviously a lot of teams, a lot of kind of good teams to rival that as well. But you mentioned Marcus Hall there, and I want to mention that for those who don't know, Marcus really had a breakout TBT. He was a member of the All Tournament team. He averaged, I think, 24, 25 points per game Uh, as someone who, or as a team who might not get as much recognition in college, you know, Team Colorado is not on national TV every Saturday, uh, and maybe doesn't get the recognition as other schools out west. How cool was it to see him get all that kind of hype? Um, Again, kind of an under-the-radar college player who's done very well overseas and really was able to make him uh, kind of a name for himself in TBT. It was real good, you know what I mean, especially for the rest of us, you know what I mean? He he brought light to all of us, which was good, you know what I mean? It wasn't just for himself. And playing with him in college and playing with him in the summers, he's never been the guy to want to shine. No matter if he's played the game, he always wants all the guys to be around him. If he's, you know what I mean, has a good game, bad game, he's the guy we we go to. He's the guy, you know what I mean, that's going to get everybody to camaraderie and all of that. So he's never been the guy to really take the spotlight just for himself. He got all the spotlight so we all can, you know what I mean, get a piece of it. Definitely. And I'm sure uh, you guys heard from uh, a ton of former, you know, teammates or, or friends or whatever after making that long run in 
uh, TBT. And um, I, I, there's always a question I ask players and when we do the podcast. And I ask them what their favorite memory was, either on the court or off the court. And they always answer with a moment on the court. So I'm going to ask you, what was your favorite moment from your run in TBT 2016 off the court? Because I think people don't realize that if you make it to the championship game, you're spending a lot of time together uh, over the course of July and the beginning of August. So you're spending a lot of time off the court as well. What was your favorite memory from the run? Off the court? Ah, that's tough. It's just so many. <laughs> Maybe just hanging around just hanging around the house talking about old stuff. You know what I mean? Nights of partying, girls, you know what I mean? Nights of going out and waking up at 7 a.m. and on the track and everybody just halfway there and halfway not. It was just... It was just a lot. It's no pinpoint, but if I would have to say one thing, it might be everybody after the game we beat Utah Mm. to go to the Final Four. And everybody was out. Everybody was like, just, you know what I mean? Because we we actually weren't supposed to be there. So everybody was shocked. Everybody was excited. And everybody was there. So that night out when we had, you know what I mean, everybody around – had a couple of drinks, ate, talked, and just had a good time. Probably that, that game after we played Utah. Yeah, that was a, a very good game. And uh, you mentioned it, how you guys were kind of uh, the underdog. Did you feel that going into TBT? I mean, you guys were, everyone knows, and I think Team Utah a little bit too, everyone knows that Colorado is a good basketball school, Utah is a good basketball school, but no one really thought you guys would make it like you mentioned to the final four no one gave you that you know i think teams respected um you know kind of the camaraderie of you guys coming together but i don't think anyone respected teams like team colorado enough uh is that was that kind of a driving force for you guys to kind of prove that hey you know we can compete with anyone even though colorado might not get the publicity of some of the bigger name schools and stuff like that yeah, I think just seeing all the um, percentages, we were never favored to win. And then once we beat Team 23, I think that gave us the, like, look, we're not just here to be here. And I mean, we're here to win it. We're here to beat the next team in front of us. So after we beat after we beat them, I think everybody just had that chip on their shoulder, like everybody thinks we're going to lose. Let's just win. I was actually going to ask you what the moment was when you – really believe that we're a team who can not only make some noise, but win the $2 million. So it was that game against Team 23, huh? Yes, I think it was the game against Team 23 that everybody was just like, hey, we can, we can do this. We can do this. Because they went to the championship, and that's the team the previous year we lost to. So once they seen that and they seen how we came together and nobody was worried about who was scoring, who was shooting, who was getting the attention. They was just, hey, look, let's win the next game. That was our that was our thought process. Win the next game. There's 64 teams, but we only have to win the next game. So that was the biggest thing for us. And you guys obviously did just that and made it all the way to the championship game where uh, actually uh, current Colorado coach Tad Boyle was there in attendance um, and he got a little bit of TV time uh, as well. But I think the thing that he mentioned that really stuck with me was how he 
he's really trying to grow the Colorado program. So when you graduate from Colorado, you're not gone. You're really part of that Colorado basketball family for life. And you could tell how much he appreciated the run you guys made and what it was doing for the program, you know, playing on national television, uh, getting eyeballs on the program. Do you kind of see that when you're playing the, the do you, or do you guys kind of think about that? How, um, you know, you guys are certainly playing for the two million, playing to reunite yourself, but you're really helping the program as a whole by making the run that you made. Yeah, we all seen that that he was behind us and that he wanted us to come out and be a part of the Colorado. No matter if it's talk to the younger guys, he invited us to his house, and I mean, we all talked to the younger guys. We practiced, we played with the younger guys. He gave us. You know what I mean? The go ahead that whenever you want to come to a game, family, friends, yourself, just give him a buzz. And actually, I uh, talked to him before the NIT tournament. The first thing I said is, Coach, I'm going. He was like, Don't worry about it. You have tickets there. See you soon. So they, that's exactly what he meant. And um, it's really good. You know what I mean? Because I know Marcus Hall caught a couple games. And I know Bo, Bo is uh, the manager, and Trent, they caught a couple games. I'm not for sure how everybody else, but he wants everybody involved. He wants everybody around, which is a good thing. A lot of people say it, but Coach Boyle, he really meant it so, which is good for the program, you know what I mean, because you want people to be around. You want people to, you know what I mean, see where people been, because we have a lot of guys that play in the NBA. Uh, Marcus Hall, nine years pro. I myself, 10 years pro, Richard Rowley, nine, Xavier, NBA, Chris Copeland, NBA. So it's just a lot that people can see, a lot people can understand that playing basketball can take you to 12, 15 countries in five to seven years. So it's good for them. It's good for us. Absolutely. And also the fan base really came out and supported as well. How cool was that to see them come up and uh, come out and really have uh, you guys had a couple of uh, sections filled with that black and gold, uh, you know, Team Colorado gear all over. How cool is that to see them all come out from Colorado to New York to watch you? Oh, it's always good to see people support you, especially alumni, especially people who want to see you win in Colorado. Got some some of the best fans, you know what I mean? I played at Kansas, Oklahoma State, Colorado was up there, especially with the fans. They they travel, they're loud, crazy, they're just good fans. So it's good to see. It's always happy. We're always happy for them to be around, you know what I mean? Because just like they want us around, we want them around, you know what I mean? Especially the support is good. It kind of get us over that hump the uh, when we played Team of uh, Team of Brave, that was a tough one for us. But the crowd was there, you know what I mean. Everybody was supportive, you know what I mean. They came out. It's like we can't lay down when we got our fans right here. Definitely, and you guys certainly did not. Uh, and that was a great game. That always a brave game. I was going to ask you, did you have any teams in TBT besides yourself that you enjoyed watching? I mean, uh, obviously, uh, I don't know if you enjoy watching anyone, but obviously your own team playing. But is there any other TB teams that TBT teams that you kind of enjoyed watching or thought was an interesting team or anything? Uh, Ole Miss, my 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 boy Chris Warren, yeah. he's on that team, and. Torlin Fitzpatrick, he's now with the USF team. He played with uh, Mike Bibby's team, Pedro Posse. Yeah. So I caught those two teams and Brandon from what team is that? Uh, 
Brandon Robinson. What Train to go. He played for Train to go. Yes, and they were up on overseas elite. And watching him, he played. He came off the bench and did damage. So, yeah, watching them three guys, and you know what I mean, because we we work out and play together in the summer. So watching them was good. So those are probably the three teams. Other than that, I watched most of the games, but watching them three teams was probably the ones I I didn't miss their games. All three very good teams, and Brandon Robinson actually playing for Pedro's Posse this year, switching from train to go to Pedro's Posse, uh, and they're doing very well in the West region in the voting. Uh, a little bit about you uh, before we let you go. So you played two years at junior college before going to Colorado uh, in, I believe, 2005. You transferred over. Uh, how did you kind of come to that decision? I knew you uh, you were from California. You grew up in Florida. How do you end up going to Colorado from two uh very warm weather climates? Uh, well, what happened was I went on the recruiting trip, and for some reason I met Marcus Hall and Richard Roby, and we just clicked initially. So we just clicked, we hung out, we played, and it was just, I don't know, it's not a certain thing that happened. It was just the feeling I had, you know what I mean? So playing with them, and then it was Martin Freeman who was there, and then Chris Copeland. So just the feeling around it, and it just, you know what I mean, it just made me just jump the gun. So I had, because I had a lot of schools, because I led the nation in scoring out of junior college, so I had a lot of schools, and they were just the one that just grabbed me. So out of everybody, it was just, and then Boulder, if you go to Boulder, you just see why. You don't kind of want to leave in the people around there. The campus is unbelievable. Yeah, Boulder's a very, very nice uh, kind of community, kind of a tight-knit community. How tough was it to adjust from that Florida weather to, to a Colorado winter? Oh, terrible. <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of late classes, a lot of sleep in, and not, <laughs> man, I'm talking about freezing. Yeah, I I'm part-time California, other-time Florida, so... That was it. It was just a reality check that I wasn't built for it at the moment. Yeah, we you you hear that plenty of times when people go out to Colorado. But uh, like you mentioned, really a beautiful place. And then obviously you've had a great uh, professional career, whether it be um, the D League, where you won a D League title. You've played in uh, off the top of my head. I remember seeing Finland, Belgium, Italy. Uh, you played in France. So really, uh, just a, a great professional uh, career as well. I mean, do you have one or two moments from your professional career that stand out? Is it the D League title? Is it playing in a specific country? What really comes to mind when you reflect? on um, all the great years you've had, whether it be in the D-League or overseas? Uh, D-League statistically and Ukraine statistically were the best for me. Great moment winning the championship, of course. Yeah, that's that's got to be the, the cream of the crop right there. But uh, playing in Italy was amazing, being right by Milan. So that was, that was crazy. That was nice. And Ukraine, Ukraine was actually a good situation because of how uh how uh we were in Kiev. so there was a lot of people there was food there was places and things to do so we were in the heart of the city so i like it there but if i had to the d-league was like amazing and it got me ready for you know what i mean my professional career so it would just show me that if i can play 50 games in 45 nights. <laughs> yeah. I could do 10 months. 
in the European country. Definitely, and uh, that's really one of the big debates right now with the collective bargaining going on to raise the D-League salary is um, you know, how the talent's going to shift. In your time in the D-League and overseas, where was the talent better? Was it better in the D-League? Was it better overseas, or was it kind of even either way? Uh, I would say the D-League, ah, that's tough. That it would have to be out of D League, Italy, but the struck, you know, in the D League, you're just so free. So in Italy, you have to do what you can in a box. In the D League, you can you can make moves. You can you know what I mean rescreen screen. You know yeah. what I mean. You don't have to worry about the coach getting. Yeah, it just depends. If you were to switch styles, it'd be easy to say, but. That European thing, you can't really bring your D-League game over there unless you're Jeremy Pargo, you know what I mean? Yeah. The, the elite. So it just it just depends. It just depends. So the best is D-League. D-League, you know I mean, the players are way, way above and beyond, the, you know what I mean? But Italy is one of the best that I've played. I would have to go D-League, Italy, and... Mm, I'm going to go with at three, Ukraine. Ukraine. Huh, you don't really hear that too often. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Um, Really, not one of the traditional leagues, but really, no matter where you go, Israel, anywhere, you could, Spain, you can find really great leagues. You mentioned there how your game kind of has to change. Did that make it a real kind of tough adjustment your first year overseas? And does it make it tough for guys, do you think, who are bouncing between overseas and the D-League to constantly kind of have to adjust their style of, the you know, really how they play the game? Oh, yes. Yes, 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 for sure. Because if you come from the D-League and then go into a situation where you're not the the premier guy that's getting the shots, getting the shots, some nights it, they're big on efficiency over there. So you have to get – they want you to have 10-plus a night, good efficiency, rebound, defend, no turnovers. So it's just – it's just everything like having a you have bad three games in a row too. You might be sent back home and back to the D League. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just it's just a crazy, crazy job, but it's a great job. So I'm assuming uh, out of everywhere you've traveled, you mentioned how life in Italy was really it's really a, a great experience. I'm assuming uh, because I love food, I'm a big food guy. I'm assuming the food was the best in Italy too. Oh, hands down. <laughs> hands down. Yeah, we we hear that all the yeah, time pizza, from guys who... Pizza, pasta. Yeah, Italy had, like, the best that I've had ever. The wine and the pizza and the Louis Vuitton store, Gucci store. Yes, they, it's, it's, the, it's the best that I've been. Yeah, that's great. I've never been to Israel. I heard Tel Aviv, Alan Harrison, my buddy from uh, the Clippers, he always said Tel Aviv was amazing. It was like... Little New York City. So I've never been there, but Italy is by far the best place I've played. That was my, my last question. Uh, bucket list. I always ask guys who've played all over where their bucket list, you know, where would they, if they could pick one place to spend next year playing, where would they go? Uh, so for you, would it be Israel to go play in Tel Aviv? Oh, no. Just because. I played in Valencia, Spain, 
versus Nando DeCola, and that was amazing. And the, it was nice. It was an attraction. So if I had to do it, it had to be Spain, Barcelona, Valencia, something like that, and especially in Spain. So when we went there for a Euro uh, Cup game, I fell in love with that as well. So I would, if I picked anywhere, it would be Spain. Another great league, too, as well. A lot of great talent there. Dominique Coleman playing for Team Colorado in the West region this summer. I know you guys don't need the votes, Dominique, because you guys are already accepted into TBT. But uh, for everyone listening, why should they go give Team Colorado a vote right now? Because our goal is to go further than we did last year and win the whole thing and spread the wealth to the voters. Can't beat that. 200000 going right to the voters. Dominique, uh, we really appreciate the time, and I, I can't believe it whenever I look at the calendar, but we will see you in just over a month out in Las Vegas. Oh, well, uh, thanks for having me. See you soon. Isaiah Walker, good morning. Good morning, Dan. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. Isaiah, you're the GM of the team Stars and Stripes, which is one of our entrants in the Jamboree and you've decided to play through the Northeast region. I'm really curious what the decision was in terms of getting into the Jamboree. Um, I mean, we're, we're looking at both avenues of, of the TBT and the Jamboree portion, but uh, I, I thought that with, with the, everything that's available and um, the notoriety, the platform, the publicity, the advertisement for the Jamboree, I thought it was you know a, a good way for us to get into the tournament. I mean, you win your two games in Jamboree, you get into the TBT. So if you're going to win, you're going to win out. So I wouldn't try to say, oh, let's skip the Jamboree and just play into the tournament. I think us by playing us uh, by us playing in the Jamboree for two games, that will give us a nice little warm-up going into TBT for some of my guys to understand what they're actually going to be up against and what they're going to be playing against. Absolutely. I think one of the things that people think about the Jamboree is that it's almost better to sometimes be able to prove it on the court rather than prove it on Facebook. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, because you're you're almost uh, putting your own your own uh, heart, um, your own soul, pride on the line as well as putting up an entry fee. So you know that changes that changes the dynamic a lot of of what you're going to get yourself into as a, as a team. You know, for the TBT, you're getting voted in fan base. For most of my guys, we're we're Division two, II, Division three uh, players. You know, from the Northeast. So for, for some of them, they, they're not going to get as big as the fan votes as, as some of the other teams. Can they compete with them? I, I totally think so. I, I played uh, professional basketball. Um, I'm 35 years old, so I've been doing this since, you know, however long. I know my, my players and parents are going to hear this podcast, so I don't want to give out too many numbers to them because they'll, they'll start getting me at practice. But uh, for, for some of them, I, I, I think this gives them a chance to prove themselves of where they stand. So by getting into the Jamboree, you know, our motto is going to be heart, heart first ego. So if we can all put our heart on the line, anything that happened, the whole Dave versus Goliath theory, we're, we're trying to go and run with. What are the te- what's the guys in your team, like what are their backgrounds? You mentioned Division Two, but like, can you give us some names? Uh, first of all, I, you know, where are they from? Like how do you guys all come together? Uh, I mean, I, I coach, I coach AAU up in, up in Northeastern Pennsylvania. So, um, like I said, I, I've been uh, around basketball a long time. So most of the guys have either played for me in the AAU circuit or, or I've come across them in the AAU circuit and, and I, and I follow them throughout into their careers, but pretty much it's going to be me and, uh, Dave Januzzi as, as, as leading the team. Uh, Dave Januzzi played at Wilkes University. Um, uh, he's a four-year star, 
um, many, many, many accolades. And this man, like I said, we're going to call him Agent X because we're not even going to put his age out there, but he, he's unique. I, I played with him this past weekend as we tried to start to get our bodies back in shape and jolted. And I played with him this, this past weekend and he was methodical. I mean, he's, he's one of the players that, that's going to help us lead, lead the team and, and go straight forward. But Dave Januzzi is, one, is definitely one of our top players. So are you going to actually suit up yourself? Oh, yes. I'm, I, I, I've been working out three times a day. Um, I've been working out for the last uh, month and a half now. Um, I, it's, it's for me, I've been using this as a documentary for my players and my organization to show them like actually what it takes, how to prepare yourself, you know, how long out do you really need to train? You know, I, I saw that Derek Rose is playing in this or a possibility and Greg Godin and, and the guys from Villanova and Syracuse. I mean, I'm not, I'm not withholding any other names or I'm not discrediting anybody else, but I'm just going by what is popping up in my memory now. And those are top flight players. And for me to just go out and wake up and think that I could just compete with them at a high level isn't, isn't, isn't something that I'm teaching to my players and, and, uh, and to the people that I train. So for me, training every single day, I, I glide, send them a glide message. I tell them what I'm doing in the morning. I show them what I'm eating and I'm just going forward. So for me, I'm not really trying to, you know, get a contract, an agent contract at the end of the day. I'm trying to show my kids what it is or what it's about to show them that they can compete with anybody. Everybody laces their shoes up the same. Everybody bleeds the same blood. So for, for me, you know, it's it's just about competition, showing what I've got at the age I'm at right now, and to show everybody that age is in a number. I mean, the Greek freak is like, what, 19, 20 years old, and he's destroying the NBA. So you can't say that. And then Vince Carter's in his 40s, and he's still playing at a high rate at the NBA. So you really can't say well, somebody's age is going to deter how they're going to play. So, you know, once again, we're, we're trying to go after the heart versus ego motto. Well, how much, what's your own playing background, uh, Isaiah? You mentioned that you did play professional basketball, but, you know, let's go through that for a second if we can. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, I played at um, – I started off at GR High School um, in Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania. Uh, that's the same high school that Bob Sarah went to. Um, he was, he was, we have a lot of diamonds in the rough up here and in our, in our area. I don't want to say that we have a lot of bad coaches or a lot of coaches that don't know what they're doing, but it's a lot, it's hard for some of the better players to actually get seen or noticed or to have a fair opportunity, you know, opportunities for everybody come and go and it's the right place at the right time. But, but for us in, in our area, you know, just trying to get some of the people out there to go forward is something that I, I deemed when I came out of high school. So I was Four years at GR High School, I, I was putting up a lot of numbers. I remember going out to play in AU Nationals my senior year, and I was averaging like 50 points a game. But for some of the colleges that got to me, I'm already a senior. It's the last like live circuit, and I, I missed out on opportunities because most of the people, colleges, Division One, to Division Two, they already had those scholarships already set out. So I got asked to uh, play at Keystone College up in La Plume, PA. Um, there was a JUCO. I played up there for two years. Um, I set a few records up there for stealing, for steals and assists. Uh, the records still hold for all the people that I played there for four years. I, I still have the records for two years. And then uh, I waived my options. I, I had a few Division ones um, after I got at a, Ju- at a JUCO, but um, I, I, I gauged it as and weighed it as what can I actually bring to the table? Yeah, playing Division One is great. You know, at the end of the day, I say, oh, yeah, I played at I Division One. 
and, and barely get some playing time or have to prove and fight myself to all the way throughout or go and play Division Two and Division Three and just go ahead and kill and get my name in the record books and try to make my name for myself. So I, I, I proceeded to go on to Marywood University, played there for two years, and uh, I just checked the record books maybe about a month ago, two months ago, and playing there for two years, I have the records for assists and steals. You know, and that, that college and university has been up there for, for quite a few time now. So after I got done with that, um, Al Clocker, he's with the, the the Washington Generals and the Harlem Globetrotters. He was Dave Januzzi's uh, star agent, and uh, he picked me up right out of college. Uh, I played for the Scranton Steamrollers. Uh, I played for Maryland Nighthawks. Um, I played for uh, Diamond City Players. I played for Triple Threat. So I played for a lot of teams in the ABA and the EBA. Um, but ultimately, when when I got out of college, I came down to the decision, do I want to continue to pursue my professional career or do I want to coach and become a trainer? I got asked by one of the parents as soon as I got out of college to, to coach at high school, and that's the path I actually went. I went to start to become a high school basketball coach at Crestwood High School. I got a lot of accolades. I, you know, I, I set my, myself in stone up there, set a few girls on to play college basketball, and you know, from here on out, I, I just run my own program and coach at GR High School the girls basketball program. So that's me in a nutshell. That's what I do. And I, you know, I'm just trying to spread the love and wealth of the basketball knowledge that my father taught me to the rest of the kids in the area. You mentioned when you were talking about that, that there was a sense that uh, maybe you missed out on some opportunities, maybe either because of the timing of when, you know, you physically matured as a senior in high school or uh, just because of the nature of, of where you're from. How much of that sense of missing out on that opportunity does that play in organizing this team to play in the Jamboree? For the guy, for the kids that you're going to play with. Oh man, for me, for for me, this this is like, I don't know. I I I barely go to sleep at night, and then I wake up first thing in the morning knowing that I have to get ready and I have to train. And at the same time, I have to get ready for work. And at the same time, I still have to train my athletes, or I have to have their practices for three hours that night. So for me, it's it's a new sense of energy. It's it's you know it's it's a great feeling of like some of the guys said I had never played in NCAA the, the March Madness so some of the guys are saying it's great to have that feeling back again for me for when I was at Keystone College we made it to the Final Four and uh, that was a great feeling for AAU Nationals I, I had my kids play against uh, Demar Derozan in front of two thousand people that's a great feeling you know I'm starting to get that that same energy and emotion back into my body and at the end of the day I mean no matter who I'm guarding. You can put this out there right now, Dan. You know, if my kids are going to hear this, it don't matter who I'm guarding, I'm locking up. I mean, it comes down to one ball, one basket, angles. They, you know, they, they say better better offense is better than better defense, but no. Nah. I'm one of those people that say I'm locking up at the end of the day. I love to hear And that. you can put it out there. I'm wearing number 11. I play for Stars and Stripes. My name's Isaiah Walker. And you know what I mean, I'm putting it out there. Come, come, come for me, because I'm coming for you. I, I, I live and I thrive on playing defense. That's a, a skill that you really don't have to work on too much. A simple, simple science, math, things that you should have paid attention to in school. And if you can figure out those things and people's tendencies and habits, because not everybody works out in the gym like they claim. So you know, you, you boil it down to you know, pure statistics, probability. I'll make you go left. You got proof to me. You can go left, pass left, shoot left 
finish left with a little bit of body contact. If I send help to you from the left, can you still find a guy? You know, that's, oh, that's throwing it down to, to my science and my knowledge. So I'm bringing that all to the table because that's what I'm teaching the kids. And like I said, if I get a piece of Derrick Rose, D. Rose, and I get you, man. I, I'm gonna need a sponsorship for my kids. I mean, that's 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 how I'm feeling. Like that. Like if I come at somebody of some type of value, I don't want anything at the end of the day besides a handshake and maybe like a, a 18 passenger minivan for my little kids uh, for my program. But other than that, that's it. This isn't for me. I'm doing this for everybody else. But you know, my heart's gonna be on the line, so I'm giving it all. I say, need to catch my twenty. Let me uh, let me catch my breath for a second here. Let me ask you this. Um, have you looked into the Elam ending, the way that we're going to end these games in the Jamboree, and what are your thoughts on that? Oh, man. I, I, I love the Elam ending, the scenario on, on how, on how you know, the target score is approached and what you need to do. I mean, hopefully, we'll be at the, the top end of it because, like I said, Dave Genuzzi, he's, he, he's real methodical. And he'll, between him, his knowledge, and my knowledge, we'll, we'll definitely be able to devise you know, four four possessions. Because if it's seven points, we're looking at four four easy, simple possessions to come down and get those seven points and it'll win the game. So for us, we're looking at trying to be on the high side of that. You know, um, as as I saw the Elam ending, I know that I need a defensive caliber team because on, on the switches, if we're down, you know, we got to get stops. We got to get lockups, you know, and then that's when coach shines. That's when coach strives because I got to get them stops. I'm going 94 feet. Every single day I train for my cardio, I got to take 94 feet. 94 feet, press them, make them get tired, make them lose the ball, make them do something silly. So I'm basically the head of the sphere when it comes to defense. Dave's the head of the offense when it comes to that aspect. This is great, Isaiah. I think the only person more excited about the Jamboree than me is probably you. Uh, Isaiah, I really appreciate your time. Yeah. I got you up early in the morning, and uh, we'll see you in Philadelphia. Oh, man, I was on... up already. <laughs> we'll see you in Philadelphia on June 17th and 18th for the TBT Jamboree. Looking forward to meeting you in person. Perfect. All right. Thanks. See you soon, Dan. 